Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Largan, a podcast about finding a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, taking inspiration from the Swedish concept of Largan, a moderate choice between extremes. The podcast explores how this philosophy can be applied to all aspects of your life, to improve your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and in today's episode I'm chatting with Martha Powell who is a professional harpist along with incredible musician in multiple other instruments and is a music teacher based in the Panath Cardiff area. Myself and Martha have known each other for a really long time, we went to the same high school and have stayed really good friends ever since and have been collaborating together, finding connections between her harp music and compositions and my dance practice which has been really interesting to explore. It was so lovely to be able to interview someone in person um, as I was staying with her during the creation of the project and it was really lovely talking with her about her career and how she's been finding a balance with social media from a professional perspective and also her personal perspective, and how actually fusing these together has made her feel that she can relate to other people through her work in a much more authentic way, which has been lovely to chat about. We also talk about the ways she's been trying to live more sustainably, as well as having discussions on our thoughts surrounding veganism and the ethics surrounding the use of animal products. She talks about her experiences during lockdown and how this has helped her have some newfound inspiration in her composition and also help her recreate how she wants to share the work that she does with people through social media, bringing in this personal aspect and finding a healthier relationship with social media. I hope you enjoy the episode and let's get into it. very much Martha for coming on the podcast. You're welcome, it's lovely to be here. (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to actually chat with someone in person. It is. Um, is. Sat in our makeshift den here. Or blanket den. Which is wonderful. (laughs) Um, But I thought it'd be nice as well to just, if you say a little bit about what you do, a bit about Martha, who is Martha? (laughs) Because I know you well, but there'll be people listening who maybe don't, so... So, a little summary of Martha's life. <laughs> little? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a harpist mainly. Um, I'm also a music teacher, so I teach in the Panath, um, Barry, and Cardiff areas. I grew up in Brecon with Marla. Um, so, Brecon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, we moved to Cardiff for university for four years, and now I'm living by myself in Panath. I think living in Panath, there's like, I'd say there's like less kind of ways to be sustainable here because there's like less kind of eco-friendly shops in Penarth so like if I need a new shampoo bar or something you know usually I could if I was in Cardiff I could just pop to Lush and it was okay but like being in Penarth it's a bit more difficult to do that now which is slightly annoying. I thought it'd be really nice to chat with you because not only have we got a lot in common artistically um, Mm -hmm. but also you're quite early on in looking a lot into how you can be more sustainable yeah I think it's there's like little things that I think that I'm doing at the moment to try and change what I'm doing and just as you've said a lot like in your posts and podcasts about buying reasonable things when you need it not just for the sake of it when you've still got you know like I'm still using up conditioner bottles that I've got Mm. at the moment instead of you know outright buying shampoo bars and conditioner bars which I'd love to do yeah but I've still got loads of conditioner that I need to use up. Yeah, and it so, makes know. sense to use what you've got, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
you have had like a lot of adjusting to social media yeah and platform because you have both your personal instagram account and then your harp account and yeah yeah if you want to maybe talk a bit about i think yeah i think that um my harp instagram account it was for like the past like two years it's been very much kind of like a i'd post if and when I had a photograph, you know, even if I'm going to play at a wedding, it's not often that I'd actually take a, f- I'd have a photo of me playing at a wedding because, you know, you can't really ask the bride to take a photo of you. <laughs> so, like, I never really had many photos of me playing, you know, it was only if my mum happened to come to a concert. But I was by myself in lockdown in my own little flat, so I decided just, you know, every day I was just playing harp loads and kind of getting, playing stuff that I wanted to play rather than playing what you had to play in uni kind of thing. So, I think... I was just playing what I was playing, just because I was like, oh, I'm just going to start posting things more often. I think I've gained about 800 followers over lockdown at the moment, which mm-hmm. is really amazing. At the start, like, it was it was my harp account, it was my personal account. So at the start, I was feeling very kind of, this is just my harp self, like my professional mm-hmm. self, rather than me kind of connecting with anyone that I was talking to on there. Mm-hmm. Now, these past, like, maybe two months, I have started to actually make it more personal to me start posting stuff that I'm doing in my everyday life you know I don't want to put this persona that I'm practicing every day or whatever you know because that's not me like I love playing harp but I don't practice every day Mm. (laughs) but I think that music on social media in particular is quite pushy where you have this kind of outlook that these people must be practicing all the time to do that and it's kind of I think some you have some people can take it very negatively Mm. like you know, I've had comments which I've had to just take with a pinch of salt, you know, people, like, negatively commenting on my Instagram posts and just saying they don't like it. And I'm like, that's okay, you know? Mm. It's not for everybody. And I can be quite a strong person at times. I can just, you know, people can say stuff and I'm like, it's okay. I mean, it wasn't always like that. It's taken, like, self-growth to come to that point Mm. to be actually what I play isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea sometimes negative comments you have to just brush them, brush them away the and just be like oh, okay never mind they didn't like it but that's fine definitely and I think you know being more personal on my Instagram in that sense was difficult when I'd post like a more of a personal photo like maybe it wasn't a picture of me in my heart but it might you know it was just something else I was doing in my life and people commenting being like, oh, but you don't have your harp in this photo. Mm. And it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a real person. I don't go yeah. everywhere with my harp, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm the same in the sense of having different accounts, like a personal account yeah. and, and a more, like, professional account. And I think at first what helped me was the idea that I didn't feel as attached, like, personally to it. Like, it was yeah. my job or it was something I was passionate about yeah. sharing a message about yeah and um, which I think at first makes it easier to kind of know that that's what your page is about and they know what to see yeah. but then it has this weird jarring thing of but I am still a person yeah. and if people only expect to see a thing they're forgetting that you're a person yeah before when I was in uni I think that that was just my job that was my professional account that was it that was fine but then I think since leaving uni my harp my playing it's not it's not really a job that's what I do like that is actually that is a big part of me it's not it's 
that is just what I do, that's my life, that's a big part of me. I didn't, I didn't like splitting it. I got to a stage where I was kind of like, actually, I'm splitting between the both. I, I have actually enjoyed kind of merging the two together just to be like, this is kind of me, this is what I do. Yeah, I more think, holistic yeah. sense of who you are. I mean, sure. you know, there were, there was things that like I wouldn't post on there still now, you know, I wouldn't go posting a night out photo on there or something because you know I'd save that for Snapchat but you know <laughs> there's you know there's still a certain kind of person I want to be on there but that's the still a person that I am so yeah do you also think maybe your personal growth that you talked about before came into it a bit like oh yeah kind of the idea of maybe beforehand thinking you had to separate them because you'd have like your friends who maybe weren't interested in what you did in terms of your passions musically so then you kind of maybe compartmentalized it that way as yeah. well because they'd have the choice to follow this account that was more yeah. music based and but now that you've maybe built up that confidence and self-assurance a bit you're happy for people to see you in this holistic way maybe yeah I think it was like you know if people are paying me to play at their wedding or paying me to play at a concert or whatever you know it's a they wanted me there Whereas if I'm just posting a random video and my friends happen to scroll through their timeline, it was a kind of like a, oh, but what if they don't want to see a video of me on their timeline? You know, what if it's, they're like, oh, what's Martha doing? I think the whole of lockdown, like, I was posting it to my Heart Facebook page mm. and then was, like, sharing it, you know, on my personal account. And then, like, people who I would never think that would actually enjoy watching me play harp were, like, commenting and being like, oh, my gosh, you know, I had no idea that you did this. It was a kind of new kind of wave of people listening to my music, which is quite important to me, I think, because I don't play the kind of standard classical musical harp. Mm, yeah. I play things that I want to play. You know, I'm experimenting with loop pedals and stuff and, you know, playing whatever songs I want to play. Playing those things, like, attracted a whole new audience which I wanted to do in the first place so actually putting them two together I think it makes it more like um, relatable some non-musical people can still enjoy it without thinking this is a really classical harp account with a really classical person playing harp <laughs> which I'm yeah. not because <laughs> no, it's like those assumptions that people can quickly make when they come across yeah. a page on social media and social media in general can be quite a superficial thing and yeah people can be quick to make those assumptions yeah. so because you've got people that you personally know as a friend that can now come across your account they know you as a person yeah so then it becomes yeah like you said more relatable for them to actually appreciate what you're doing and not have the stereotypical classical harp feel which yeah yeah we've both talked a lot about this and have kind of similar experiences in different fields because obviously me as a dancer as well and the stereotypes around kind of traditional ballet sense or performing in a theater me and martha are collaborating at the moment yesterday we went to um the park and down to the beach in Penarth and it was amazing just all these like people who would never usually come to a harp or a dance recital who were just kind of stopped and listened and were just watching us and absolutely loved it and I think it's just like we had like little kids coming yeah, over to like us the little boy that came yes. over was so sweet we had like so many people coming over just who would never usually watch or even be interested in watching a harp or a dance performance were suddenly there, like, we were probably there in each location for about half an hour, an hour, mm-hmm. and there were people that sat there the whole time just watching us, and it's people like that that we want to bring 
our kind of music and dance too yeah. and we want to make it relatable to people so but have you had any kind of challenges with balancing the kind of social media aspect because obviously us both being performers we very much appreciate kind of the connection with people in a more physical sense than yeah. you can grasp over social media so I was just wondering if that's something that has been difficult in any ways I think for me like playing with different people is finding the right people to play with mm-hmm. the experimenting that I've been doing a lot in lockdown is now reaching me to like different people that I would be interested in doing like collaborations with and I'd want to kind of do a collaboration with like other different instrumentalists or like dancers you know like we're doing so I think that kind of the whole lockdown not being in contact with people I've actually quite enjoyed kind of having space to work on my own things and to work out actually what sound I want to create so it's kind of been okay um so I've you know been looking at so many different other musicians and kind of taking inspiration from other people but I actually think that maybe I haven't quite missed being playing with other people in lockdown just so I've like you know embarking on a new kind of outlook to heart music I can have the space to do that without anyone else surrounding me I suppose (laughs) yeah and I guess maybe you've built a different relationship with social media now that it's more about you sharing the work that you're passionate about making rather than trying to show other people that you're doing something you're just doing the thing and then sharing it yeah it's a slight difference I don't know if that makes sense yeah no 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 it is it's kind of you know I've written little bits in my notebook on random scraps of paper as I'm going along just to kind of track where I'm going and what Mm. I'm doing and kind of what things I'm thinking of at the time kind of what's giving me inspiration I think yeah that's quite it was weird because, you know, if you look at my Instagram, I've taken my harp to some really cool places and things, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I think being in kind of nature was quite a big thing. Mm. And obviously in lockdown, we one walk a day. And I'm not sure you're allowed to take your harp on that one walk a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that was a quite a big thing. Like, just stucking my flat. Mm. But I think creating a nice space for me to play every day was quite important. You know, nice little things around me, like having flowers on the windowsill, which are when I was practising next to you. Mm. And... Even in lockdown, like, my um, room where my heart was in, it was the front downstairs window, and I'd open the window, and like, loads of people would, like, pass by when it was the really hot weather, and, like, people would just stand there outside my window watching me practice. Mm. And even doing that was really cool, just to, like, people who, again, wouldn't usually go to a heart concert, yeah. which were just stopping outside my window to watch me practice. Yeah, and I think, in a way as well, like, it goes to show that there's people who are a lot more open to things that they maybe wouldn't think to see if it's just kind of put there in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, like that people wouldn't come to a concert, like you were saying, but when they see it and stumble across it, they're really interested. Yeah, I think as well, it's like performances these days, like going to the theatre, it can cost... If you're not really interested or didn't know that you were in, you were going to be it's interested in it, it's a, take, it's a big... It? It's a lot of money. Mm. For like a whole family to go, that's quite expensive to go so when you see families who are just like watching you kind Mm. of in nature and it's like it's quite nice to kind of play to people like that so I think bringing music and dance and things to everybody and just in nature and just kind of a free space is like really nice and I've noticed nature has come up a lot also because in our collaboration we're yeah working a lot in outdoor spaces which is wonderful um, we both grew up in very rural areas yeah. with 
surrounded by sheep (laughs) and definitely with nature being like quite a big part of both of our lives I guess and you have that different kind of appreciation for it um so yeah I think that has probably impacted us both in terms of values for like sustainability and being more eco-friendly but both probably in kind of different ways and different stages um because I remember you saying something the other day about seeing lambs near where you live yeah (laughs) so we were saying about um kind of well well, as when mal has been staying with me this week um you know i'm happy just to be a vegan for a week it's not really a hassle for me to kind of do that kind of swap for a week um i know my usual day-to-day life i've kind of cut out mostly cut out meat entirely now Mm. i do still eat fish but you know i haven't cut off completely like Mm. it is kind of more of a journey for me rather than cutting out completely but we were saying about the lambs in the fields and I've said because my I live in a little village in the middle of nowhere and I was saying that we have all the lambs surrounding us in the spring and then since I was a child I've never been out to eat lamb just purely because we always got a lamb from the butchers and I'd be like that lamb could it be the lamb that I said hello to in the field yeah and I just couldn't I just a lamb is one of those things I just can't eat because I like seeing the lambs in the fields yeah <laughs> But then it's really interesting, isn't it? We were saying about whether, if it had been cows in the field instead of lambs, whether that association would maybe have been brought up with the cows when they yeah, were there. It's, true. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like that dissociation thing, how much it can impact. Like, I even remember when I was, before I was vegan, I definitely had a similar thing where I was like, lambs, you know, are so beautiful and cute yeah. and... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so like you see that and it's just a very interesting conversation and even with like how yeah like they eat dog in yeah, so China you, you know we have dogs as pets exactly you know my mum used to have a lamb as a pet so in yeah. my mind I'm like we can't eat lambs because they're also pets <laughs> exactly yeah so, so yeah mm. same with like eating dogs and horses and cats I'm like oh no no yeah. should, they should be cuddled that's what they should <laughs> But yeah, so for you, where did your kind of want to be more environmentally friendly start for you? I don't really know. I think it was like, I think it's been going on for a few years, just like little things mm. that I just suddenly realised, oh, this is a better alternative and, you know, it won't be a massive hassle to make that swap. One of the first things was just, because we used to have um, lots of house parties in uni, and I think we were constantly buying, like, um, plastic straws and plastic cups. And then I think I got, like, two house parties in, and I was kind of like, this is a bit ridiculous. How many plastic cups and straws were they constantly throwing out? So I think as a house, we did actually invest in kind of reusable plastic cups that we could wash after every party. And then loads of metal straws, which we then also washed after every party as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of one of the first kind of big things that we did. And that was as a house, actually. There were eight of us that kind of were like, yeah, we need to make this swap because this is a bit ridiculous. Um, I think there's just some other things as well that just, like, cruelty-free makeup was quite a big thing. I think there's, like, a few brands that I, like, quite like and just, like, you know, I love the things from Lush. Um, The Body Shop, though I wish The Body Shop was plastic-free. Their deliveries do come without any plastic, though, which is good. good. Yeah. there's the Estrid razor that I use, which I really enjoy because it's nice and pink. You get whatever color you like. It's oh, really cute, lovely. and that comes in all reusable packaging. Um, 
I think I've got a native deodorant, which is all reusable packaging again. Um, and then the shampoo and conditioner bars, which I really love. Mm. Still using up conditioner bottles that I've got from previous things. Mm. I had this awful habit of never quite finishing the bottle. And then just using a used bottle. So I've got so many bottles with like a centimetre of conditioner <laughs> left that I'm still going through to use them all Different up. Different hair smell each time Exactly, hair exactly. Hair. We love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> so it seems like for you, your kind of journey into sustainability came a lot more from like the reducing plastic waste side yeah, of it. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just... Whereas then going to uni, it was kind of, I was then putting the bins out going, oh my God, like this is a lot of plastic that I'm, you know, getting rid of here. It's crazy how you can just kind of throw something away and forget about yeah, it. Yeah, And then do. as soon as you see kind of like a week's worth or not even yeah. a week's worth of rubbish that's yeah. going out, you're like, wow, that's so much waste. Yeah, yeah. I think because there were like eight of us living in our uni house, there was a lot obviously between the eight of us. Mm. and um, actually there was like three of us that were quite into kind of looking at how we could kind of reduce it and little things that we can do which we, we all still do actually which is very nice so I think because like both of us had a kind of like a joint kind of interest of reducing it it was quite easy to do it together and to kind of convince the rest of the house you know we need to make these changes so what for you would you say have been some of the more difficult changes to make or I think um, buying my fruit and veg more sustainably with less packaging I think it's been a bit difficult at the moment because in lockdown the there's one shop in Panath it's always been so busy and to be honest every time I go and do my shopping I am in a rush I'm not I'm a panic shopper where I will get in and out yeah I only go shopping for food like when I need food I'm awful I will walk to the shops every day and pick up food I'm like oh I fancy this today I'll walk to the shop and get this today so I think I need to with my fruit and veg I need to kind of think about it a little bit more and kind of figure out when it's not so busy in the shop Mm -hmm. because every time I've been there's been like like a 45 minute wait to get in there and yeah I've definitely found that doing a weekly food shop has been super yeah. useful um just because like I psych myself up for that one <laughs> week and just get it all done and then yeah you kind of know then what what you have for the week and what you need to use for the week so. yeah I think I'm just I'm just still a bit impulsive I think I think maybe when school starts now this week I can get more into a routine and kind of pick a day that I'm gonna go and actually go in a shop <laughs> I think I'm talking to my family about it all has been a bit more of a struggle my dad is brought up in like a really big farming community so he is loves eating meat and doesn't really see the environmental impact that is happening mm-hmm. I think because we brought him to such a farming community like even my sister as well she's also kind of you know oh if we don't eat meat what you know we're not going to be giving money to the farmers whereas actually if the farmers you know I suppose did more with vegetables you know that we could give the money that way instead but I think that talking to them about it has been a bit difficult my mum's really understanding and she's started making changes in her life as well which is really good because I love kind of you know passing on you know what I've learned already to other people even if it's not as much as others you know I can still you know educate others you know I can still educate other people a little bit more so I think my mum's really interested in it too and she's always asking me of new ways that she can make her life a little bit more eco-friendly, which is good. Oh, that's great. Um, I don't think my sister and dad are there yet 
I think we're, we're, I'm still trying, I'm still trying. But I mean, I think it is really difficult when we grow up somewhere like where we did. There is that kind of nicely painted picture of what farming is and yeah. like everything being free range and small scale and the animals being cared for. And I think it can be easy then to forget the kind of horrific things that are happening and like the environmental impacts because I think it's it's easy for more rural farms as well to think like, oh, well, we're only small scale, so we're not making a big difference. Yeah. But the amount of land needed for grass-fed as well, exactly. it takes a lot more resources. And also, I think a big thing that I realised was with kind of slaughterhouses, mm. there aren't any local slaughterhouses anymore. So yeah. even if it's a rural farm, those animals are then sent to these massive slaughterhouses where like the workers are treated awfully obviously what happens the animals are terrible but yeah it's it's very difficult like I remember growing up you don't think about any of those parts of it because you only ever see the idealized parts of yeah. farming if that makes sense yeah we've I've just recently come back from a holiday on the Isle of Mar and the campsite we were staying at um the farmer there it was absolutely beautiful place so lovely but they happen to have um, a highland, loads of highland cattle, which they obviously bred, you know, for meat. And just travelling around Scotland and just seeing all these highland cattle just kind of in the fields, like, they're so beautiful. They're, like, such, like, majestic creatures. They look like they could be, like, fluffy dinosaurs just kind of in the fields, you know. <laughs> they're so lovely and just, like, the, the scene about that is amazing. So seeing, you know loads of highland castle and like the beautiful field on the top of a hill you know it's stunning then you kind of know that they're being bred for me i don't know i didn't really like that and the guy who owned the ones near us actually had his own slaughterhouse on the other mall and like mm. it was right next to the field oh, <laughs> and it was yeah. just it was just oh it just didn't i didn't like that it didn't sit no. well with me no, just did not sit well i think that they're just I don't know, there's so many beautiful animals out there that just, just shouldn't be eaten. Yeah, and I think now when we know that we don't need meat to survive, yeah. it makes it even harder than seeing these things happening, because exactly. it's like it's not necessary, Yeah. Um, it's just more being done for kind of people liking the taste. And, yeah. Yeah, and I think a big thing that I've thought about is just like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are prepared to to kill an animal and eat it yeah. but for me personally those morals if I know I couldn't kill an animal the thought of paying someone else to do it is something that I yeah, yeah. I struggle with a lot I mean if you really think that you could go and kill that animal yourself and eat it then that's something wrong with you you know it's just oh mm. I don't like that yeah. But I think it's it's important conversations to have and I'd love to sit down with a farmer and just have like a respectful, open conversation about yeah, their thought processes and values and my own values and because I think it's important to open up a dialogue where yeah. you don't feel like you're being attacked and you don't feel like there's a reason to get defensive. It's just discussing what's happening environmentally, ethically and yeah, just allowing space for dialogue and space for challenge. I think that's really important. I think that I kind of farms in local areas like where we brought up. It's very, it's very small town. Not just with farming, but with just you know music and dance in the same mm -hmm. way. It was very small town. We appreciate that like 
there was a big wide world out there. Mm. But I think, you know, maybe if farmers haven't quite seen that there are big things, there are bigger environmental things going on in the rest of the world that, you know, maybe they should be slightly more aware of mm. in their farming. You know, if a new song came out, it would reach our town, like, a week later than everyone else. <laughs> you know, so if that's just, like, one song that's kind of, you know, made number one, it would reach us, like, a week later. So, you know, is this message that maybe their farming isn't sustainable for the future, maybe that message hasn't quite reached them in the yeah. right way yet. Mm. It's kind of maybe not an attacking way at them, mm. but just a... Here are a few things yeah, to kind just of like raising awareness, help and then them, you can make yeah. your own thoughts from it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think something interesting we talked about before is the fact that we both are working within the arts, and how, in a way, training within the arts, it it kind of opens your eyes to a lot more things, and you become a lot more used to challenging your views and getting yeah. rid of that association of like right and wrong, and actually. Yeah having that middle ground. Exactly, yeah. there's so much like interpretation in mm. the work that we both do. I don't think we did that loads living where we did. No. But I think it's so easy to do when you're giving the right resources and information mm. that maybe that's what's needed. Just kind of more information. Yeah, because I think when you have more information about these things, you can form your own opinion from yeah. it based on your values. And I think... This is another thing with social media, um, kind of confirmation bias, you know, say on like your Facebook uh, store, I don't go on Facebook very much, but you know, you have like a news feed on Facebook Yeah. and because of like algorithms and stuff, they look at what you've liked before and that affects what you see. Yeah. So if someone is constantly liking or looking at or sharing a certain idea, they won't get shown the opposing. Yeah. So you can kind of get into this little bubble mentality of like, mm. everyone thinks this way and this is the truth. Yeah. And I think it's so important that we challenge ourselves to read things that conflict what Absolutely. we think. Yeah. Um, like other things online to do with like political standpoints or literally anything. Like if you are constantly looking at one side of an argument, your newsfeed will only have mm-hmm. that one side and then you're not getting a kind of non-biased perspective of a situation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, even mine, like, I know that I constantly get um, suggestions and sponsored things coming up just for, like, reusable razors and, like, shampoo and conditioner bars because there's something that I'll, you know, go and buy online that I'll just kind of... Google online and then, you know... Google knows you like it. Exactly, 30 (laughs) seconds later I got on Facebook and there's an advert for something I've just bought. But I think that, you know, if I hadn't have just bought one online, then I wouldn't have had that come up Mm. in my newsfeed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it just goes to show, like, how quickly it kind of infiltrates what you see. exactly. Um, And obviously if you're looking at things that are very one-sided, quickly your newsfeed could become only about... a one-sided argument I guess and then you have to actively make the effort to do the research into the other Mm -hmm. areas or follow other things I think that's another thing with like Instagram or something is following a diverse range of people yeah um because those people have all have different opinions on things as well exactly and they might all have like different things to share Mm. about things and different knowledge about different things as well 
even like sustainable clothes as well like I love seeing friends that have or friends of friends that have just started their own kind of little clothing company or something or little Mm. Etsy shop or something that kind of you know that you're buying from a local person Mm. or you know a friend of a friend and I think that's really sweet doing that because it means something to the person you're buying it off you're also they are not in horrible working condition hope mm. making them yeah you know it's a nicer way to shop for things as well so i think shopping on like more local websites and things like that is really important yeah definitely because it feels more personal yeah. as well. you have that connection with someone and you see how what you're contributing in is benefiting someone or benefiting yeah a, a moral standpoint yeah. that's important to you and even just like i've just moved from a new flat here which i obviously had to buy my own furniture which since leaving uni I've you know I've never bought furniture in my life (laughs) so I think I was not in a financial position to buy brand new furniture Mm. straight off so to be fair I have had loads of kind of Facebook marketplace stuff and things like that but you know I've painted and I've like redecorated to kind of fit in with my new flat it's nice to kind of reuse things like that and it's giving something kind of a second life yeah which is really nice and I think it's got more personality yeah. there as well because you've you've put your own little stamp exactly. on it with painting it yeah. I've put like a kind of love and time into painting it and mm. doing it up and things and then I can look around my flat and I'm like oh that's nice I, I, I did that that's nice so if you were to think of like one or two things moving forward that are like your next steps on what you'd like to do to be a bit more eco-friendly what do you think they would be um, I'm doing that once a week shop. I need to aim for that once a week shop. <laughs> going into the fruit and veg shop to go buy things once a week. I think talking to more people, not just my family, is something that I want to do a little bit more. Mm. I think I've maybe let buying Christmas presents mm. for my friends and family in kind of little reusable things that I know that they'd like. Yeah. But also they'd be sustainable, and I think maybe if I bought them for them they kind of be like oh they this is actually quite again, nice yeah. and they'd buy it again I think that's something that I could definitely do which would be really good yeah that would be great I think that would be really quite an easy thing to kind of think about for the next what two months three months till Christmas yeah and wow. then three months that's not long <laughs> and you know it's a nice way of sharing things by not just kind of preaching at people but kind of being like okay try it yeah. and then see important that's yeah. great and then maybe two things that you've started doing that you're proud of. I think definitely using more beauty projects and kind of stuff in the bathroom, like shampoo and conditioner things. I think making all of that more sustainable is definitely something I've... I like looking at, you know, mm. all the products that I have and thinking... Actually, this was not made in horrible conditions. This was cruelty-free, it's vegan, it's less plastic than I'd usually be using. Mm. I like people coming over and seeing the things that I have in my bathroom and being like... Oh, maybe These I are my things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, talking to my friends, being like, oh, yeah, I've just got this really good new shampoo bar. And they're like, oh, what is that? Like, oh, it's this really cool bar from Lush I'm like look there's no, no plastic, plastic. Yeah. <laughs> look how cool it is it's all pink look at it yeah. and I think I like doing that and just sharing things like that is really mm. nice I mean I'm very grateful that you very kindly cooked me some lovely food this week I've really enjoyed kind of eating loads of vegan food this week 
I've really liked it. Oh, I think it hasn't felt like a hassle at mm. all. I love what we've eaten, so Aww. it hasn't made a difference to my week, and I've loved it. Learning some new recipes and things, it's been really nice. I have one last question, which is, because my podcast is called A Little Bit of Largan, which yeah. Largan is about finding balance and kind of a little bit and not too much, um, what would you say is something that you've done this week or a habit that you've adopted that helps you find a bit of Largan? I think since moving to Fadaf, I've loved, I think, just taking time for myself, mm. leaving my phone at home and just taking a book and going sitting on the beach, reading a book. And that's something I used to do that when I was at home. I'd take a book up the fields and kind of do that, and which is really lovely. And I think it gives me a little bit of time to stop and think, even if I'm just so involved in my book that I'm not really thinking as much as usual. As usual. I think it gives me a little bit of space, kind of away from everything, just to be in my own little bubble on the beach, and I feel really nice surrounding. And I think that that's something I really enjoy, just to find like a bit of balance in my life. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh, that's made me want to go and take a book. We without can do my that. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Go down the beach tomorrow with a book. Sounds perfect. Yeah. Ooh. Thank you so, so much for chatting with me. You're welcome. It's been lovely chatting with you too. Yeah. I mean, we're going to continue to chat anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not chatting, you, chatting to you for the rest of your stay. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That was it. No more. <laughs> but um, just as well, where can people find you on Instagram, for example, if they want to look at kind of what you do musically? So my Instagram, Facebook and YouTube is all um, Martha Powell Harpist and it's all on there. Well, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. And yeah. Goodbye, listeners. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you again to Martha. It was so wonderful speaking with her and I hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. I found her perspectives on certain areas really interesting to listen to and I hope that you found the same. I hope the information from this episode has been useful and that you can relate to aspects of it and yeah that I just hope it was helpful in some way. If you have any questions or thoughts on this episode or on any of the other episodes of the podcast feel free to drop me an email on a little bit of largum at gmail.com or you can drop me a message on Instagram at a little bit of Largum. It's really lovely hearing from you. And I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who's been supporting me, both through listening to the podcast and also through my coffee account. This has helped me to raise funds to keep the podcast going and pay for media host subscriptions. This podcast is unfunded and it's not for profit. So I'm literally just trying to find ways to cover the costs of creating the podcast as I love creating them and sharing them with you and connecting with you. And I hope that the episodes bring something for you also. So thank you again for supporting it. I'm really grateful and it really means a lot to know that you guys out there are listening and appreciating. So thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.